Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, bite-sized time is here. That's right, we're talking about I from 1992 or 3's Body Bags on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from the south of California. This <laughs> is the Kill by Kill podcast where usually we talk about horror movie characters in the order in which they die. But on our off weeks, we like to look at one segment of a horror anthology and give it the same Kill by Kill treatment. And of course, there's only one person I trust that... <laughs> If I'm going through a personal crisis, she'll ask for me to read a passage from the Bible to calm down the one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, uh, when you're going through a crisis, I browbeat you into putting a crib together. (laughs) I just enjoy putting cribs together. I only had to do it the one time. Uh, It wasn't that tough. Um, It certainly didn't take me an afternoon to put it one half of it together that, that well you seems... also you also weren't dealing with like you know thunder thundercloud head thunderclap headaches that came out of nowhere <laughs> with your your serial killer eyeball although i, I do have to ask about the 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 crib though uh if you sure. don't mind me asking how how far along was becky before you guys finally put that crib together oh man i would say we were about a month and a half out because we didn't know you know First off, we had to like kind of tackle the room as is because it had been her office and we decided that would be the right place to put the crib and whatnot. But we also knew that Ollie wouldn't go in right away. So there was a a sub crib that would go by the bed so that I could sweep him up and put him next to Becky uh, for feeding and uh, snuggles and all that. And then would be convenient enough for me to bobble him up and down because uh, he was one of those kids who absolutely got used to jostling <laughs> and demanded constant rocking and bouncing to the point in which the song I used to sing to him to calm him down was shake, 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 shake the baby, shake, 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 shake the baby. Uh, and he still finds that hilarious now that he knows what shake the baby means. Um, so yeah, I would say like seven and a half months, we, we finally figured out what crib we wanted and put that bad boy together. Yeah. Cause, cause the, 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 uh, the happy couple in this one, she's like, I'm pregnant. Time to put the crib together. It's like, yeah. now you don't need to put that crib together yet. Yeah. In fact, I yeah, would we, dare say that it is superstitious to put the crib I'm superstitious to say you don't put the crib together that early on. Yes. I think the only reason it you know, I'm I'm sure they're conveying an element of they've been trying to have a baby for a long time, so this is very prescient. So they're they're trying to uh, you know, really get things going. And um also they really want to make the illusion that uh mark hamill uh is behind jail bars at one point and uh gets his uh, uh cigarette put out on his forehead by mommy <laughs> <laughs> with a fish eye lens <laughs> Which, i mean here's the deal uh so a bit of backstory here on body bags uh, a 
Um, there's three stories in Body Bags, two by John Carpenter, directed by John Carpenter, one directed um, by Toby Hooper. And since last week, in terms of the audience's experience, we talked about a Toby Hooper movie. I thought it would be fun to talk about another to- Toby Hooper uh, joint, as it were. Um, and here you get to see what Toby Hooper can do on TV money, you know, as <laughs> a couple decades past Salem's Lot, uh, which we've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I actually forgot this was a Toby Hooper. Yes, um, and because there, it's very John Carpenter forward, but he kind of felt like, well, I can take on two of these things, but I don't really want to do three of them. Uh, some of the backstory from this, uh, this was a script that was a an anthology by two writers. They put it together. Um, and uh, John Carpenter's wife, who's a, his producing partner, shopped it around town. Showtime picked it up and said, why don't you make this as an anthology movie for our cable channel and gave them an uh, okay-ish budget. But of course, they're splitting it up between three different productions. Um, so they're calling in a lot of favors. You'll notice a lot of cameos from people throughout this thing. Um, and... The other uh, element to it is is that when they delivered the finished product, uh, Showtime said, this is great, make it a series, but also uh, we're going to cut your budget in half and you're going to film it in Canada. And John Carpenter said, fuck all y'all. It's like, no, I'm not going to do one of those things. Yeah, you're not getting me to Canada uh, on a regular basis to do something for half the price of what I already did. It was okay time for me. Um, but this isn't, I'm making movie movies at the time. I don't need to take time out of my busy schedule to do this. This was like a whole filler for me. Um, and so we walked away and, uh, Showtime put it on the air and it kind of, and then they put it on home video, uh, where it kind of gained a reputation as a fun time because it's three very different types of short stories. You have a, a very typical urban legend opener. Um, you have a very comedic one in the middle about a alien hairpiece. <laughs> I was gonna say you got two. You got two very different approaches to body horror. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. And this is and Toby Hooper here is playing it primarily straight. Oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah. This is there's not a lot of tongue in cheek going on here. He's kind of giving you a little bit of a Toby Hooper fest. Uh, what I think does the most damage to to the eye in reference to its time period is it comes after Eric Red's body parts, which is a much more gonzo affair in every single way. Certainly Eric Red, very influenced by Toby Hooper's sort of aesthetic, but he loves it with a, a even glossier finish on it. And body parts is uh, gonzo. It is uh, out to lunch from the word go. And here it's like, oops, there's a rainstorm and I'm reaching for the traveling willberries. I hit a pole. It's not exactly on the same level. I mean, he does have like an entire piece of glass from 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 whence I don't know it came where it came from. You're <laughs> yes. jammed in his eye. Yes. That is top notch. But in terms of car crash technology, Body Parts has this one dead to rights uh, when it comes to that. Well, yes. Yeah. So why don't we get into it here? Um, Of course, 
Uh, we're going to meet Brent. He is a, a minor league player in the streets and a major league player in the sheets. <laughs> if you want to see Mark Hamill do his best Ned Flanders impersonation, <laughs> it, it's right here, baby. Yeah, he's got quite a hinder. And you see every angle of it. You really get to notice all the crevices, uh, what's doing um, back there with that booty do. I, I was just talking about his mustache. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> But it's also the butt. But it's yeah, both yeah. a mustache and butt performance from from Hamill. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some 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 stupid stupid sexy Hamill going on there. <laughs> and uh, which is also kind of on because we have once upon a time talked about sleepwalkers, where I think he looks really hot. I've come out on the record that Mark Campbell in Sleepwalkers is... Well, this would have been about the same time. And I think, right. I think again, he had the whole just the mustache. Yes. And it is working for him. Um, and Brent is a, uh, as I said, a minor league baseball player, but uh, everyone is telling him uh, that he, he could be called up uh, to the big show any day now. Charles Napier is all up in his face. Which is interesting because uh, he's like 35. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I think your uh, you're, you're being kicked out to the major league days might be kind of already past, Brent. Yes, I think they're they're often thinking of him as like a one, you know, season wonder, a sort of, you know, they, they need a pinch hitter in the American League sort of coming up from the minors, which happens every once in a while. You know, it's not crazy, um, but it's also like, you know, he views it as very unlikely. He, his exact quote is, something always happens. And so uh, Brent uh, calls his wife from the locker room. His wife is Twiggy and Gina I would love some backstory on how these two met. <laughs> yeah, there's a it's a real accent palooza happening in this uh, in this in this show because I mean you've got Twiggy has a, a very you know, her her own very British accent, and but also it, she is trying to do a Southern accent though, Gina. She, there are times where she's literally trying to add twang to things, and then bangers and mash just keeps spilling out of her mouth <laughs> well i mean he you mark hell was not doing much better in the southern <laughs> accent department god yeah. love him mm-hmm. but you know there really aren't that many you know, american actors who can do a good southern accent that, that you know that aren't actually from the south yeah i just i wonder after the first day why they why they said you know, let's let's keep the accents up. This let's is make them southern. Let's make them southern. It's it's absolutely yeah. it's absolutely irrelevant to the plot, but we'll make them we'll make them southern. Yes, I I I don't. There doesn't seem to be any point to making them super southern. They never dictate where on earth they live or anything like that. Um, although it's very apparent they're in the valley of Southern California, so why they must be so southern is beyond me. But as I mentioned earlier, Brent uh, unfortunately has a traveling Wilburys cassette-related crash problem. He, he decides in the middle of a driving rainstorm, it's like, you know what, I need some tunes. Yeah, I just, I need the traveling Wilburys right now. Damn my personal safety. Uh, and he ends up in a veering away from a deer in the road and smashing into a pole. 
and ending up with a gargantuan shard of glass sticking out of his right eye. Somehow he survived this. I mean, yes. that thing should be like lodged deep, deep into his brain. <laughs> yeah. It, when they eventually, spoiler alert, everyone, uh, a doctor is going to say, I can replace that eye with another eye, which is fine. But that shard is so deep into his eye cavity that I have to worry that there are bigger problems than just the loss of one orbital, you know, you know, goose egg there. Like there's that uh, that's a big, big, big piece of glass. Yeah, that's that's a that's a chunka. <laughs> um, don't worry, though, everyone. Dr. Bregman, played by Roger fucking Corman, is on the case. The case, of course, being delivering bad news. I'm sorry, Brent. You lost your eye to a giant shard of glass. Uh, here's the good news. You got Dr. Lang, played by an extremely rickety John Agar, um, who believes that he knows how to transplant a donor eye into Brent. And Brent's like, well, what happens if it doesn't work? And he's like, You're, you'd be no better off. <laughs> like, you, you have one eye now. I could possibly give you two, but if it doesn't work, you, you got the same one you got now. And it's like, why not? There's a lot of corn pone. <laughs> embedded into Hamill's performance <laughs> about starting 10 minutes in. It just really gets in there. And I, I yeah, guess he's, he's very like, and I think it's honestly to, to, you know, emphasize more the, 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 you know, the juxtaposition between his normal self and when this, you, this, the spirit, I guess, of this mm. guy where he got his eye from takes over yeah. because, you know, before he's like, you know, you know, oh, gosh, God, gee, hon, I sure do love you. And then like, you know, basically forcing himself on her and like biting her. Yes. I, I just I think it probably would have been better in reverse with Hamill not having an accent and then the accent bursting forth in the yelly moments. I think that would have worked better. Whereas I don't think there's any fix for what Twiggy is doing. Because <laughs> no. for her attempt at a Southern accent is about as convincing as the very true fact that the United Kingdom's national dish is chicken tikka masala. Uh, a, dent, uh, a dish obviously invented somewhere in, you know, dairy or, <laughs> you know, Manchester. A very British meal, chicken tikka masala. Uh, this is astoundingly a bad idea in Twiggy's direction. Yeah. And I don't know if that was something she elected to do herself or, or if this was, she was told, you know, well, he's Southern. You have to be Southern too. Like, well, no, not necessarily. No, no. but, and, and listen, um, I think her just speaking in whatever Twiggy's normal <laughs> British cadence is and just leaving that unexplained or that they, she moved to America and they fell in and she fell in love with a baseball guy. That would have been fine because I never would have had to worry about Twiggy's accent coming and going. It just would have been her accent. Whereas here, she not only has this phony ass Sheriff Lobo style accent, <laughs> but they have dressed her in clothes that give the impression that she is on a, a, a little house that happens to be on the prairie. Yeah, they, I guess, like, they're supposed to be Christians because they, they have a Bible right on the bedside table. 
Yes. Which is exactly where you want the Bible to, to be, <laughs> where where you make love with your spouse. <laughs> yes. And at various points, they are shown reaching out and touching the Bible as if it is home base and it, it makes them safe to touch it. And if they're not touching it, they could be out. I, I don't, I, is it, is it a baseball thing? Is it the Bible's protecting you thing? I truly do not understand. It's sort it. of a, it, it's, it's kind of half-assed, honestly, attempt at developing these characters, mm -hmm. but you don't actually get right away that they're Christians. You, right. you just kind of get that from the sort of frumpy way that she dresses and, and that they have this Bible just, you know, sitting out on their bedside table. And that when, you know, when he starts, you know, having these like fearsome headaches, she's like, not acting like himself. She's like, well, have you tried reading the Bible? <laughs> no, yeah. I've not tried that. No, I think if you have a headache in the near future, you should consider Simply reading the Bible have you, that have generally you, helps. Have you considered reading the tiny text of a Bible? You, with the eye transplant, squint real hard and get into the lowercase fonts of the Bible. I mean, you can at least um, you can at least buy like the Bible on audiobook or something. <laughs> Just get it on a reel to reel and play it on the fucking loop. Um, I know that Twiggy, and I hate to bang on her as much as I am, but it there's not much going on here. It's a two-hander for the most part. I know she's never been formally trained as an actress, but I, I feel like act like you've just woken up is an assignment most people would be able to handle. <laughs> and yet, when Twiggy is woken up on a couch, she awakens as if, oh, uh, uh, me? Uh, <laughs> I need to be awake? And, you know, like, we, we can do a take two. This is, that's, that's not working. I Maybe they didn't have a monitor. Maybe they didn't see it till the next day. We're on film here. Uh, I don't know what the situation is, but it's it's not great um, he gets he gets this eye transplant and mm -hmm. and the the doctor's like oh well we can give you a contact lens so your eye color matches i'd be like fuck that i want to do a david bowie thing and just have two <laughs> different colored eyes that's rad as hell that's rad as hell but like but like you know he he gets this miraculous surgery has no scarring around his around his eye socket to speak mm -hmm. of but like he comes home and twiggy's gonna be like ooh, oh I don't know. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, she's like, like she's like repulsed by him, honestly. <laughs> I used to like your face, but now it's off center. And it does not help that the I mean, I know what they're going for here. That is, no one particular contact lens could ever truly replicate what your eye is on the other side. So even the contact lens is disquieting to look at in terms of how his eyes are supposed to look. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, it, it's just funny that like, she's just like, mm, yeah, I mean, <laughs> can, we have the eye, can you put the eye patch on please? It's like when you're trying to hang pictures in a room and you're too, the person hanging the picture is too close. And the person who's looking at it in terms of the room might not always have a good sense of balance or, where things are supposed to land and between the two of you you fuck up you know all those pictures that they're all hanging on different levels and you're like 
this room just looks wrong. That's now Mark Hamill's face. All his pictures are hung wrong. <laughs> uh, but and it also does not help that, uh, as Gina mentioned earlier, he's having premonition headaches. And, and, you know, when murder's rage is just constantly crossing his face, that to me says something's gone wrong with this surgery. But no one seems to be think that that's a problem necessarily. Yeah, yeah Dr. John Agar's like, oh, that'll go away in a couple of days. <laughs> that should lessen. The, with the feeling of the ice pick slowly pushing into your brain, over the next six to seven years, that will fade. And so Brent's like, what are you going to do? I really want to be a baseball player. And so <laughs> Mark Hamill and Twiggy head to their very lovely home in what looks like the same neighborhood as E.T. and Poltergeist, but this is actually farther out in the valley in Woodland Hills. It just goes to show you how shitty architecture was here in Southern California in the early 1980s. <laughs> Speaking of sex, because we were earlier. Twiggy has a lot of preconditions for sex. Mood, open Bible, closed shutters, one blue contact lens. Yeah, she's like, she's like as like nervous as a virgin. She's like, oh, I don't know. Oh, can we have to leave? Can we turn the light off? I'm close to shades. She's like, she's like almost 40. And yeah. Like, and she's just like fretting over, over the idea of, you know, having sex with her husband. Yes. Who is miraculously alive when he could have easily been dead. So there's like a, a lot to, I, I understand, you know, his murder eye might not exactly set the mood 24 like, That was a murder eye yet. <laughs> but it, it kind of yeah, looks he, like a murder eye right away. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's got like that, like, you know, the red ring around it. But still, I mean, Jesus, turn the light yeah. out then if it bothers you that much. Yeah, you put on an eye patch. That's sexy. Everyone wants to have sex with a pirate. It's great. <laughs> Except her. Because her floral prints just project prude uh, all the time. And he's like, come on, we used to do it all the time. And she's like, uh, no. You had two uh, eyes back then. <laughs> I didn't have a, a, a small, you know, fetus inside of me. You had two eyes. We only had one Bible in the house. Now we seem to have several. <laughs> There's like a Bible in every room. Seriously. It's like breaking case of emergency, you know, Bibles everywhere you go. Like they're doorstops, they're they're trivets for hot dishes. They're everywhere. So um when Brent goes to close the shutters, which are perpetually open, he sees a nude woman burst down on the ground in his backyard and screech. Like a hamster is making a nest on top of a Casio keyboard. <laughs> That's a buzzkill. It really is. It's not. It, there's very few boner killers quite like, is there a dead woman in my backyard? And um, this is one of uh, Mark Hamill's first initial I'm freaking out on camera sequences. Because we're, we're building up on the Hooper scale, right? And I'd say this is a four. At this point, when he learns he only has one eye, he's at about a two. Uh, but here he's he's doubled up. Right. And he just like, I can't have sex right now. My brain is killing me. Let's go to sleep while you continuously massage my temples. 
that is not going to work. I listen, I love I love Becky very much. And sure, one or two nights of me massaging her temples all night long, I would do. Right around the third night, though, that's when <laughs> I start to go. Let's let's let me let's see about a medication or something. Honey, my arms hurt. <laughs> Get in there. Need my eye sockets. <laughs> Get both thumbs in there. (laughs) Really, really feel all the curves and edges, nooks and crannies of my frontal lobe. (laughs) So the next morning, after refusing to eat perfectly good scrambled eggs. Oh, yeah, man. He's just like, (laughs) like, fuck (laughs) eggs. Really? It look like some goddamn good eggs. Yeah, I, I, I was like, what am I going to make scrambled eggs for dinner? I might. I'm here alone. Uh, but he's like, Ooh, get this out. So he pushes it all down the garbage disposal. And then he has another premonition flash and there's just a bloody hand spinning around in the garbage disposal. Whee! Like need a hand with those dishes. <laughs> it's like a, like a dish soap commercial. <laughs> um, when, when Brent finally gets going on that backyard, he, <laughs> And it's one of those sequences where he's just like wrapping that neon green uh, string around little posts he's hammering into the dirt. And I'm like, do we have a Silvio Pepe situation here? Is he making a maze? Are we going to pull away and it's like a crazy maze that's a clue? No. He just like digs a couple inches underneath the dirt and immediately finds feet. (laughs) And he's like, that shouldn't be there. Right. But I mean, I obviously he bought this house from a, you know, right wing commentator um, because they all have uh, nude ladies buried inches below the surface in their backyards. So Hamill is really starting to commit at this point because he screeches from the backyard and goes all the way upstairs to that window again. And I'd say at this point, he's at a six on the Hooper scale. (laughs) He's committing. Like, the only thing missing for him is John Lovitz in the background yelling, acting! He's (laughs) going for it. Yeah, we're we're in full sweat mode now. (laughs) He Yes, he's creating his own temperature, and he's turned it all the way to boggy. Uh, Twiggy. Meanwhile, comes home from whatever workplace allows her to dress in a violet curtain. And, um, and Brent's all. I was going to say a uh, 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 designer of fashionable sacks. <laughs> Very true. And Brent's all happy all of a sudden. He's like, hey, guess what? I put together half of this crib. And she's like, why not put it? together all the way and he was sure easy and so he gets in the middle of it like he's in a devo music video and he immediately has a, a premonition headache of a 50s housewife putting a cigarette out on his forehead it reminds me of remember the movie the bell brooks movie high anxiety yes, yes. remember when he has a flashback of when he's a mm-hmm. baby and it's just bell mm-hmm. brooks and like a baby bonnet yes. <laughs> like he <laughs> he, he gets so he gets so upset that like he like knocks his, his high chair over. That's why he's afraid of heights now. Yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> kind of reminded me of that. 
Could we cover high anxiety on the show? I feel like maybe we, we haven't done it. I mean, what's the only other parody we've done is student bodies, right? Right. Yeah, yes. sure. We haven't, done I mean, any, we, we haven't done any Hitchcock. No, we haven't done any Hitchcock. Um, and certainly we should probably get to, to Psycho at a, at a certain point. It seems wild that we haven't, but you know. We're only seven years into this. We, we there's can't cover. So, there's we, so much content out there. Yes, so much content. That's And that's how I'm sure Mr. Hitchcock would love us to refer to his movies. Content. Content. Uh, con- content. Um, <laughs> he also did ads for Universal Studios Hollywood on a tram. So he wasn't above, you know, taking a gig. He, a little bit of a sellout. Just a skunk. Like, did not want to meet Steven Spielberg after seeing Jaws. Is like, no, 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 no. I do commercials, and that motherfucker made Jaws. There's no way we're on the same level anymore. Um, what can you do? He was an asshole. The blonde. Um, there's so much of of Hamill's butt <laughs> during this next scene. Yeah, it's just a two scoops of vanilla <laughs> right on up. And what I was not expecting <laughs> was for him to sink his teeth into Twiggy's shoulder. Um, because yeah, he's going, he's going full like serial killer in the sex scene, just like forced himself on or have a little nipple. Yeah, and and she, you know, gets up, shoves him off of her, and she's like, "Brett, you bit me." And his response is, "I see things." Those are not, that's not an excuse. That's not even an explanation. I see things. How does that connect to you biting me in the middle of fucking? That's, that's tough. Yeah. And this but, is the point where she's like, have you considered the Bible? <laughs> I would just, I would can maybe just crack open the Bible and dig in, see what you can find. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go see Dr. Lang in the morning. He's going to make me right as rang. And of course <laughs> it turns out that uh, rickety John Agar has uh, plopped the eyeball of John Randall into Mark Campbell's face. Uh, John Randall just happened to be put death in the gas chamber, I'm sure, for loving too well or being the best neighbor. That's probably why he died in the gas chamber, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, best, you know, Girl Scout best cookie seller of the year. <laughs> Yeah, number Planted one most flowers in the neighborhood. I was gonna say number one neighbor, best potluck. <laughs> um, you know, this is gonna happen to me, right? That, that when I get my kidney, it's gonna be from I'm gonna get like a serial killer kidney. Oh, yes, but I don't yes. know, like, like, I don't know when I would connect to the serial killer. I guess I'm going to the bathroom or something, like, like, you know, have I go have a pee and just have like some sort of flashback of like some sort of horrible thing that this person did. Just when he peed on his mom's grave. Exactly. It's like, no. Ah. But you, the thing is, you're going to be able to learn uh, why you're having these premonitions the same way that Mark Hamill does. Microfiche. A microfiche machine. I'm so happy. Oh, my God. Every time someone looks up shit on the microfiche, I get a, I get too erect it just it's like oh yeah it. oh my god this is the best and he does a full ass monologue a straight up 
just, just camera fucking monologue. Just read to the audience what the what the <laughs> what, what the newspaper what the newspaper article says. And John Randall then would kill these women, and then he would have sex with them until they became too cold, and then he would try to stuff them down the garbage disposal, and which, when that which, did not work, which seems, he buried which seems, them in the backyard. Which seems wildly impractical. Yes. No. I don't see anyone's garbage disposal being able to hack through sinew and bone and you could, you of could, an you, arm. You could, like, destroy a garbage disposal by accidentally dropping a fork into it. Yes. And you want uh, you, you to put, like, a whole leg in there? No, 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 no. I mean, it will do damage to your fingies. Make no mistake. Don't start experimenting with garbage disposal, uh, you know, mangling. But it's just not going to dispose whole human limbs. That's a, that's not going to happen. Um, but uh, upon learning this information, he heads home. And when Twiggy returns, uh, it, it appears that Mr. Randall has taken full control of of uh, Mark Camel, and they have an extended chase. This is where you really feel the limitations of the Showtime money that that's making here, because they can barely do multiple camera setups. You know, you're not getting the full Toby Hooper package here of what he can do. No. They only have like one storm sequence. There's not enough lightning. There's certainly not enough sparks. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, not a single person has a fucking chainsaw. I, not a I one. I feel like he's being held back. Not one chainsaw. Not not a single one. And so, uh, what we... Oh, Oswald, knock it off. Here, see, he's getting scared. We're scaring him. He, I am scaring him because he uh, sort of assumes that I'm yelling at him. Um, and I shouldn't even have been yelling at you. Uh, but... Mark Hamill ties Twiggy's hair around the post of a table. And then that, that he's like very, he's very obsessed with blonde hair or, le- or at least the, the, the John Randall is. Yes. Hair is soft. Ladies should be soft. We want the ladies to be soft until rigor mortis happens. And then they get too hard. <laughs> then they have to be put down the garbage disposal. And there's some sort of, inscription in the bible they have that has to do with randall i don't what the fuck is that about yeah i died i was a little lost on that one i it felt like there was a whole cut scene that we were not a part of because she's like it's not even a passage it's a, a something inscribed in the front page of the bible and and he's like oh. I, I assumed it was some sort of message like inscription from her to to him Mm. As a sort of like, you know, you know, come back down to me, come back to me, come on, you know, like yeah. that's, that, that's done a lot in, uh, in, in like horror movies and all where you have someone who's True. like transitioning to a monster and like, you know, so remember this and it like, you know, <laughs> touches the, the human side of them still. <laughs> Please, you need to reach back to the softer side of your personal seers. And he, um, it comes to the realization that that eye is just no good for his Yeah, marriage. it's not working out. It's not working out. So he needs to stab it, stab it good with a pair of garden shears. And he pushes back real far. And yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think he more than got the job done. Yes, he, the, the eye is definitely taken care of. It will not be transplanted into anyone else. But also... 
Uh, nothing of him will be translated in anything else. And I think Twiggy is just now a part of that table. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she could probably reach up and untie her own hair. Eventually, she'll reach for those shears and and use them to cut off a and, and section of hair. And well, because you know that's that's normal. I mean, you know, most women when they when they have a baby, they they get that sensible haircut. <laughs> that's true. You don't want to deal with with super long hair at that point, right? That's exactly. And Twiggy looks great in pixie cut. We all know this. We all saw the pictures, and so that pretty much brings us to choose your own death venture. And that's where we decide of the deaths supposedly uh, shown in this uh, this subsection of a movie. Uh, if you were to die in that way, which one would you choose and why? So I guess your choices are um, be bitten, uh, killed, have your hair tied to a, a table, you get um, sexually molested after death, parts of you get ground up, but not enough because then the rest of you has to be buried in the backyard. Or just shove some garden shears into your eye. Uh, which one do you choose? Gina? Gosh, um, you know, I, I, I'm not. I, I mentioned before, I've never, I've never been a fan of just the mustache, but mm. but I do think Mark Hamill looks really good here, and, and yeah. I, I I agree with you. Uh, so I I would not mind like you know looking that good right before my death. So uh, yeah, you know, honestly, uh, I'll I'll take the I'll take the garden shears for the eye. It looks like he dies almost instantly because the back, the back end, the business end of that shears really hits some. Uh, yeah, he's just like he just collapses so as soon as soon as he does it. Yeah, um, I think that's that's the way to go. Um, so that just about does it. Um, John Josh Hollis does all of our artwork. Uh, Revenge Body does our music. Go to Revenge Body Memphis at Bandcamp.com for this remix and all our other themes. Gina, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about television and movies at the spool.net. Uh, I have a Substack. It's Gina Watches Things.substack.com. And I um I'm on Blue Sky and Instagram under Gina Does Things. Do today, people check it out. You can find us on all of the socials. We're, we're still out there. Um, I the Twitter remains. Um, today, a real person actually um, followed me on Twitter. That would be the first person in I think three months. I think the last person was Jordan Morris. <laughs> And then it was just all porn bots until now, uh, which wait, is great. Wait, 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 Tobot, but Elon solved the, the bot problem. Didn't you, didn't oh, you know? Yes. I'm sure, I'm sure these ladies have lots of good business ideas that, that they'll be pitching me along the way. Um, and, uh, but we're on the more reasonable places like your threads, your blue sky, your Instagram, which, uh, I think is going to become like where I talk to more people on, cause that's where it seems to be happening. Um, but we also have the Facebook group too. And of course, Patreon, where we do bonus content, all of those fun things like bonus episodes, chat by chat, and where we talk over currently Friday the 13th movies. And of course, uh, for this month of August, we will be talking over Friday the 13th part eight, Jason takes Manhattan, Canada, um, <laughs> which is a fun, fun time for one and all. If you like pictures of steaming bread. And that just about does it uh, for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.